You're listening to The Fashion Detour, a show that provides insights into the minds of creatives within the fashion industry. My name is Michal Goldfein, and I'm sitting down with the creators to talk about their processes, their inspirations, and lessons they've learned along the way. Hi everyone, I am so happy because today I have an amazing guest. Her name is Susie Barford and she makes fantastic, fabulous hats. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Ready to talk all about millinery. <laughs> yes. So you have, um, your brand is Susie Barford Millinery, right? That's right, yeah. And what, in, what got you started into millinery and, you know, designing hats? Well, I was always artistic. Um, I loved creating things at school. That was always something that was very important to me. And I carried that on throughout university. I used to do set and costume design for plays at Oxford University in England. And um, I worked in television for a while. And I ended up starting my own marketing brand. And one of my clients in London um, said to me that she was going to Royal Ascot, which is the races. And she wanted to have um, outfits made. So she wanted me to design her some hats and some dresses that would go, go with those outfits that would covertly advertise her, um, her brand as a marketing project. So I, it was a total accident that I made my first hat. I made well, three at once, actually. Um, so we could, three of us could all be matching in our outfits. Um, and it was a whole journey of discovery for me. Um, and I absolutely loved it. So um, I, I set about creating my own brand and educating myself. So I did a course at the London College of Fashion in millinery. Um, and I learned a lot of my skills there. And a lot of, a lot of it was experimental as well. I just sort of got all the books read up and gave it a go because I've always loved sewing. My mother taught me to sew when I was really small. So I've always done that. Um, and that's how it came about, really. Wow. So she was um, she was putting together like a collection. Um, the the uh, marketing client of mine in question, she wanted um, matching outfits to be worn at the races at Royal Ascot. And she mm. was a lady who used to sell racehorses to Princess Anne. So we were in the royal enclosure wearing the first hats I'd ever made, which were black and wide brimmed. Very classic um, Ascot style hat made of cinnamon, which is um, the, the typical race day hat fabric that you see on ladies at the Kentucky Derby, Ascot, Preakness, um, Triple Crown, those kind of events. Um, it's a very light material um, and it's actually made from a banana plant. And it's very, it's very good, it's very easy to manipulate if you add warm water and steam and shape it on a hat block. Wow. So that's really amazing. And I mean, of course, you know, you have such a comprehensive collection, you know, you have fedora hats and your, like, I guess you would call them the, the more like a, like a spectator hat or more like occasion hats. 
Yes, yeah, the I call them occasion hats. Um, in British culture, I'm obviously from Britain, and, and um, a lot of people wear hats to weddings. That is very typical at a British wedding. So all kinds of occasions, including race days and weddings, um, would fit um, what I call occasion hats. So they're kind of hats for special events that might be in, in any season, spring, summer, autumn, winter, um, and they might have flowers on them. They'll usually be seasonally appropriate and they'll usually also fit with um, the Pantone colours that are put, put forward at New York and London Fashion Weeks. So I usually um, refer to those colours because that's what the, um, the suppliers who, who I buy the materials from will create all the, the cinemas and other fabrics in the um, colours of the year, basically. So are there any specific, you know, trends that you're seeing right now in terms of hats? Well, fedoras are always in fashion and that's that's why um, I have a, a very fun range of brightly coloured, um, accessorised um, fedoras because they are definitely always the, the hat of, of autumn through the winter and into spring. Um, and um, the, the colours this year were, well, the, the spring summer colours were saffron red, classic blue. Um, and um, and they're, they're similar for the autumn winter kind of looks as well. So I've got some very nice deep reds, burgundies, um, blues and greens that I've been making. And then I, I use feathers that are collected by my father-in-law in Pennsylvania. <laughs> and and he, he finds them, pheasant feathers, um, even turkey feathers sometimes, in, in the woods and wow. on the farmland. And so, yeah, so they're all ethically sourced. And, and then I manipulate the feathers using curling tongs that you would use to style your hair, the curling irons, um, and different um, other kind of tools as well to shape them um, and fix them onto the hats. And then, of course, I, um, I add some kind of headband and the internal headband as well. It's called a sweatband that goes inside. So... What's what's the style of hat that you see yourself wearing like on a day-to-day basis? Wow. Well, right now I'm wearing one of my silk velvet headbands. So this is this is a great number because it, it's an indoor-outdoor item, whereas a fedora is usually put on as you're leaving the house and going outside for some kind of activity. Um, so this is a great day-to-day item and it just it can really dress up an outfit as well. Um, I call this one the love knot headband because it's silk velvet that's been plaited. Um, and then it's also got some Swarovski crystal beads sewn onto it for a little bit of extra sparkle. So, um, so yeah, it can really highlight um, certain colours in an outfit or offset them. I'm contrasting with a dark green at the moment um, with this kind of gorgeous, sumptuous, dark red. Um, and I, I sell a lot of these around Valentine's Day as well <laughs> as gifts. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the holidays are coming up. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. Yeah. And I mean, I do absolutely love your headbands. Like I see you have like the, um, I don't know what you call it, the headband with it's like stiff, a little bit stiffer. That's right. Yeah, stiff and, and, and thicker. Yeah, they're called um, halo headbands the ones that stick up a little bit more and therefore they're more for special occasions. So um, personally, I might wear one of those to a wedding um, or a special event of some sort, maybe, um, you know, a glamorous birthday party or event. Uh, Yeah. Maybe a a bridal shower or maybe an engagement party, something like that. Yeah, exactly. That they are absolutely perfect for that because a lot of the time um, 
you know, parties are indoors and we don't feel comfortable wearing a fedora the entire time we're indoors. Um, but um, the race day hats, so the occasion hats, so the wide brimmed ones, typically in a British wedding, you wouldn't really take your hat off. Maybe it would come off at the end of the evening when you were dancing or something, but most of the time women will keep them on the whole day. And that's also the case at Ascot as well. They've got really strict rules. So women do not remove their hats all day. So it has to be nice and light and really comfortable. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, there are similar rules for the Kentucky Derby. That's a little bit more relaxed, but it depends which enclosure you're in of course there are different rules so the royal enclosure which is where the queen goes um that's a very strict and, and men as well um do not usually remove their hats or their jackets um and ladies um yep they can't remove their hats all day <laughs> so, so when so let's talk just about the like you know your the design process so how does that how does that work for you like where do you gain inspiration from so um, <clears throat> if I've got a client who says, it, it, it's it makes it a lot easier if the client comes to me and says, I've got this lovely purple dress and I really want to have to go with it. So for the Kentucky Derby this year, which didn't actually take place, but I had an order and this lady um, had two dresses. She had a white dress or a navy blue dress. Um, and it was really similar to the, um, the colors that came out in the New York Fashion Week, there was a really lovely classic blue. So I suggested to her um, a classic, that wear the classic blue dress and I will make a tilted saucer hat with um, peacock feathers because uh, feathers are really big with Kentucky Derby style hats. Um, and so I sketched it out, that's what I tend to do. Um, I sent her the design, she liked it a lot. So I got making <clears throat> and then, um, the the pandemic hit but but obviously people followed through with their orders because there were parties for these events it's not quite the same as being there um but i packaged it up and it was sent off and there was a local party happening where this um client of mine lives in california so she actually did um, get to wear the outfit the dress and the hat was worn on um uh, september because they moved the date of the the derby party Yes, it's, I mean, I can imagine that it is really hard to, you know, deal with like the, you know, the changes that are going on in the world and, and just like, you know, I really love still to, you know, get dressed, to get dressed up and it's kind of hard because, you know, we're m missing out on a lot of those opportunities. Yeah, exactly. Which is sad. Yeah, I, I had um, work just before the pandemic, I was getting ready for um, my first big workshop, um, which I was going to run um, making fascinators basically and, and race day style hats um, at a local uh, museum, which I volunteer at. Um, and I had some other workshops lined up as well and, and trunk shows and, and everything um, had to be cancelled or, or put, put on hold. Um, because I could, I could have done the workshops online. The thing is the sewing. There's so many different styles of stitches that you use in millinery, um, and it's they are they are very hard to demonstrate on a camera. And and so I really, you really have to be there. So um, and at that point, we didn't know how long this was going to go on for, and I just I assumed maybe six months or something. But yes, things are 
um, still, still, we're still in this kind of uh, situation where we're waiting for a vaccine to be manufactured. So hopefully next spring will be when I can host these these same workshops because the format is very much an in-person experience. And I didn't want people to um, get less of an experience by it being online. And um, and the trunk show that I organised, we did we did wait six months, and it happened in September, <laughs> and um, a number of fedoras were sold. So the this the uh, fedoras I thought I was going to sell in the spring, um, I'm, I'm selling in the autumn. Uh, okay, but they fit both seasons, so. It worked out really well. <laughs> I worked out in the end. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Definitely with the fedora, it's something that's kind of like seasonless, you know? I mean, obviously, maybe you wouldn't wear it in the summer, but like, yeah. it's just great for like that fall, like in between weather. Yeah, exactly. The, the fabric um, really determines what season it's going to be worn in. And um, for the, uh, well, summers in Washington, D.C., it would definitely be too hot. Um, to wear because they're made from velour felt and that is usually um, either rabbit or, or beaver hair so the rabbit is is brushed for its hair um, and that's collected and it's made into a felt which human beings have been making felts since cave people were around basically it's a, it's an absolutely ancient technique um, that became sort of standardized in the middle ages um, so, so yeah, so those are the fabrics, um, and the same techniques exist now really to, to make these kind of things. Um, and there are really specialist suppliers that, that I get my materials from, um, based in London actually, that have been doing the same thing for hundreds of years. They're all family. So that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So they, so you get your, your fabrics from them, right? That's right. So, so yeah. So if a client comes to me and says, you know, I want a bright red fedora, then I will um, order up the hat body as it's called. So that's the shapeless um, body of the hat um, before it's it's um, stiffened and um, cut and, and uh, put on a block and made into the desired shape, whatever that is, a fedora or just a wide brimmed floppy hat, for example. Um, yeah, so so that's that's the kind of process. So they the, everything ships um, from Britain. I'm finding some really good suppliers in New York these days as well, which is very useful, obviously, <laughs> because they can ship a lot faster. <laughs> so, so how do you, how long does it have to stay on the block to, to keep it shape? So it really depends which, which fabric you're using. Um, different fabrics dry faster than others. So the felt is a very dense fabric and that needs a lot of time to dry. If you've got a milliner's oven, it will happen a lot quicker, um, but a lot of people don't. So they dry hats outside. If it's a sunny day, that's that's absolutely ideal. Get the hat outside on the block because um, what you've done to shape the hat is first of all, um, warm up the fibers with hot water. So to get it sort of easily um, malleable, then you put it on the block, shape it. Um, some people add the stiffener just after it's been in the water and some people stiffen it after it's dried. There are there are different opinions on, on how that's done. But um, typically, uh, velour felt, I would give it a couple of days to thoroughly dry. And then I would steam it and shape it more to the desired effect. Wow. So I didn't realize that you are like really, you know, I didn't realize the whole process of it. You know, it's, it's way more, you know, I, I didn't imagine like you actually, you know, have to add a stiffener to it and you, sh and you wait a few days and it's a, it's really a whole process. Yeah. There's a lot of manipulation on the block as well, depending on what the um, desired shape is. Um, 
you have to really tug it around and bend it around the sides of the block and, and hammer it in with, with um, little nails um, to get it absolutely flat. Uh, and then, um, and then when it's dried, you want to really brush, uh, especially if you're working with velour felt, brush the, um, the, the felt in the direction that gives it a really nice sheen, because that's the thing about velour felt, which makes it very different to wool felt, that it, it holds its shape for a lot longer. So, you know, a hat made of velour felt will last you several decades if, if you look after it and don't put it in the rain too much, whereas wool felt loses its shape really, really rapidly. and It doesn't have the same luxurious sheen as the velour felt. So you use the North felt, you say? Um, yeah, velour felt is, is the one that, that I work with. So what part of this whole process that was, a, is it the design or the actual, like, you know, that it's, it's like a hands-on, like, what's your favorite part of making hats? <laughs> I think it's, it's the hands-on part of it because I've always, when I was doing art as a kid and at school and at university, I really loved sculpture. I really loved using my hands. I, I used to do carvings and, and make these enormous sculptures so, so yeah, I'm a more sort of get your hands dirty kind of person and, and millinery is very much that kind of hobby because you're always covered in some kind of substance or fluff or feathers, <laughs> depending on what you're making. Um, I made a Christmas hat last year and um, I was covered in glitter for days afterwards. It was, um, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, it's, I know glitter is really hard to get rid of also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah definitely it's the sculptural aspect of it and it's really nice because for me millinery is wearable art you know it's a beautiful art piece that you've made and you can put it on your head and walk around in it and it's, that's a really that's a fantastic way of displaying what you've made yeah and it's it's definitely you know very it, you can express yourself and you can you know just have have fun because I mean obviously you know it's just another dimension you know we have clothing and we express ourselves through what we wear so yeah yeah exactly well you know I studied archaeology and anthropology at university and uh, we we did look at sort of you know clothing through the ages and things like that all kinds of um, social customs and people have been adorning their heads for so so long I mean even the ancient Egyptians were making um, some kind of um, hat um, through through to the ancient Romans and then obviously um, medieval um, Italy where millinery really kind of got its name um, from the Milaners, the people of Milan who were making luxury goods and sending them all over Europe and to, to Britain places like that um and um so the the name milana eventually over the years over the centuries became synonymous with just millinery so milana milliner mm. that's the sort of etymology the sort of um, language origin of, of that word so what are your favorite um you know uh what's the word embellishments to use because like you've got for those for the occasion hats you use your you use I see you use velvet you use tool um you've got of course you know the the feathers so are there certain um embellishments you like more than others 
Yeah, I think, well, feathers are just so fun to play with because there are so many types of feathers um, that you can manipulate in completely different ways. Even the same feather can be used um, to produce really different looks. So, um, you know, even with peacock feathers, you've got the tail feather, the typical male tail feather that everyone uses. And then you've got the peacock sword feather as well, which are these beautiful um, iridescent colours, but they just don't have the peacock eye on them. So um, the Kentucky Derby hat that I was talking about earlier, which was made in classic blue, had all the types of peacock feather on it. Um, and goose feathers are very, very common in millinery as well. They're a real staple and they can really fluff things out. Ostrich feathers, fantastic because they are super fluffy and they move in the breeze really nicely as well. Um, and there are smaller feathers, smaller feathers that you can sort of tie in a knot um, and, and then space out um, the, um, the, the preens, I suppose you would call them, um, to produce totally different looks. So, so yeah, feathers are really fun to manipulate. I love putting beads in there as well. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and it, again, there's a seasonality to it. So I, I seem to use a lot of, of pheasant and maybe combine it with a bit of peacock um, in the autumn and the spring when I'm making my fedora collections. Yeah. And, um, so it's just, it's just, like you said, it's, it's so much fun. And what, so what, uh, are there any, um, accessories or hair accessories that are, you're looking to try in the future or like you want to explore that you haven't gone into work with yet? Yeah. They, I have been noticing in, um, you know, in fashion blogs and especially, um, with Christmas coming up and things like that, the different, the holiday season in general, the, um, hair clips are becoming a really big trend. So, um, and they are a smaller item, obviously they're, they're faster to manufacture, um, they can be worn indoor or outdoor uh, in multiple seasons. So, so yeah, that seems to be something um, that I might be venturing into. And it, that's quite fun because you can play around with ribbons and velvet again, beading. Yeah. I mean, it's, is it true? Do you feel like millinery is like a lost art? Do you feel like people need to tap into that more and just, yeah, it is. It is definitely um, something that has um, because it's been in and out of fashion for a while, and there was a recent resurgence. But it is a very niche area, and and that makes me happy because you know it's it's been really fun the opportunities that that have come my way because um, I I live in the USA where where people don't wear hats maybe as much as they would for events in Britain. Um, and being a British milliner in America does does make you stand out. So 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 yeah, I I think um, yeah, with it being a niche area, it it's it's um, it's a very it's a very particular skill, and not a lot of people know instantly what the word milliner even even means. And then you say, oh, I'm a hat maker. They say, oh wow, people still do that <laughs> because a long time ago, people. Um, there was a phrase that most people know, mad as a hatter. And that referred to the fact that milliners used to use mercury in producing the hats. And they didn't know hundreds of years, of years ago that was actually toxic and they were they were poisoning themselves. So they would go completely mad with this kind of constant dose of mercury on their hands and 
you know, in their systems. <laughs> so, so yeah, it is, it's an industry that has changed a lot over the ages. Also, it's become automated and a lot of hats are now made en masse in factories. Um, so handmade couture hat making is, is the thing that's, that's um, yeah, it's, it, it happens less now. Um, and it's a specialist art form, in my opinion. And it should... Yes, I, I agree with that 100%. <laughs> um, and I do think that, you know, there's obviously a huge difference with like the, from what the things that you've been making which are you know so exquisite and one of a kind <laughs> yes yeah exactly that's the thing I don't mass produce so I, I don't have a sort of factory line and loads of stuff everything I make I make myself um from scratch by hand um and and they are one of a kind pieces so so that's how it's really really different to buying a hat in the market or you know in um uh on the high street sort of thing in in the shops um it's uh you it has to be a the, the client has to be someone who appreciates that that item is handmade for them and it's bespoke so in terms of going forward like for the future do you what what are your goals with your your brand well um well it's it's to continue Continue as we meant to um, uh, be um, living this year out, which was running lots of workshops, teaching millinery skills to, to people who are interested, um, attending a lot of the events, the major race day events around the world, um, whether that's Kentucky Derby, Royal Ascot in England, um, the Dubai World Cup, maybe um, Belmont, Preakness, or um, the... Um, uh, yeah, the Triple Crown, um, an absolute dream of mine to, to attend that um, and just keep on supplying clients with with the hats as well. And, you know, do some more interesting photo shoots as well uh, for the fedora collections, for the headbands, um, wherever we sort of take things further. Um, I'm now looking into freeform as well, which is another type of, of um, way of producing race day hats and occasion hats. And that doesn't actually use um, hat blocks in the traditional way. So I'm just about to start educating myself on how, and on how um, that's all done so that I can make even more dramatic sculptural hats um, ready for the spring summer collection next year. Ooh, that does sound exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so you just do it without the hat block? Yeah, it's done without the hat blocks. Um, it's, uh, again, it's a kind of, it's a kind of sculptural technique um, and the, the kind of items that are produced by it are absolutely exquisite. And I think that's the way for me to take my millinery to the next level and keep expanding my repertoire. Well, I'm very excited. I can't wait to see what you, uh, what you create. That'll be amazing. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> do you see, do, do you see yourself um, like passing down your, you know, your love of hat making to your children? Oh, yes. Yeah, I absolutely um, would hope that would happen. And I think it's a really fun activity for kids, even before they know what they're really making. Um, they'll be getting their hands dirty and, and using um, different fabrics and different items um, to put together um, some kind of millinery piece. Um, yeah, I think it's a great creative outlet um, and it can lead to lots of lots of different other skills and, and potential careers. So, so yeah, that's going to be an important part of our, our family as it expands. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much. Um, I really 
hope that everyone out there will go. You have a, a great website, Susie Barford Millinery. Yeah, um, yep. Susie it's Barford. actually, no, what, what's the website? SusieBarford.com, correct? That's right, yeah, my, my name, SusieBarford.com. Um, my hats are often featured in, in different publications like Condé Nast, um, Condé Nast Traveller magazine. And, and various websites and I've, I've been resident milliner for events like the Virginia Gold Cup which is a really fun steeple steeplechase that happens um, in the autumn uh, in Virginia <laughs> so I, I do manage to sort of you know appear <laughs> yes in, in and what about on Instagram where can people find you yeah so at Susie Barford Millinery um, is my Instagram that is a very busy place there is a great love and, and passion for millinery um, on on social media. So a lot of my projects and, and things I'm doing in my and my travels because we spend um, a lot of time between um, going between the US and, and and the UK. So I have clients on both sides of the pond. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can you can see what I'm up to on the Instagram. Yes, you you have to you have to do a fashion show one of these days. Yeah, absolutely. That would be um, uh, an absolute goal for next year, definitely. And I think the trunk shows will kind of um, uh, lead on from that. Uh, we'll have to look into fashion events that are happening that are obviously socially distant and and, and COVID safe for everybody. <laughs> Well, thank you again so much. Um, I think you're so incredibly talented and I just love, I mean, your, your headbands are gorgeous with the, the, um, the velvet and the silk and the, I mean, the hats, your fedoras, everything is just really gorgeous. So thank you so much for sharing your creative process with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is really good fun. Yes, it was. Thank you again. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Fashion Detour. I'm available for personal styling and personal shopping. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can always reach out to me through my email, michal at thefashiondetour.com. And on Instagram, you're welcome to direct message me at The Fashion Detour for any of your shopping and styling needs and questions. Thank you so much and have a great week. Come on, listen to me.
just break it down to you and me uptown dancing all around till the disco ball pops but i have to be me and everyone can see your anger is misplaced 